Welcome to our online Easter service. We're here with friends that we love, uh, making music for the Lord on this high holy day for the Christian calendar. We encourage you to turn it up. It makes it easier to sing if you like. Uh, either way, we encourage you to worship with us as we sing about how worthy our Lord is. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good that we remind ourselves of this?
Hey, good morning, Sunnybrook Christian Church. We just want to thank you for joining us here as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, hopefully, we're able to see some of you as we're meeting apart in our homes for this time. Hopefully, we're able to see some of you face-to-face on some of the Zoom meetups that we've had before or even after the services. Um, if you are a first-time visitor or want it, just some more information about our church at Sunnybrook here, if you would, text CONNECT to the number that is on the screen. When we get that information, we would love to get back in touch with you. But we thank you so much for joining us as we worship Jesus this morning and study the Word of God together. As we've done in previous weeks, there will be some questions on the screen during the service. When it comes to that point, feel free to pause, discuss those questions with your family and whoever you're serving the Lord with. Also, feel free to jot those down, to reflect on those later, to journal about them, and discuss them with your virtual life group. And again, we thank you for joining us at Sunnybrook today. Uh, we're glad to have you. Our passage for this morning is from John chapter 20. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then, following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. This is the word of the Lord. This is not what we had planned We love to prepare for Easter, thinking about what kind of devotionals we're going to do together as a church. What texts are we going to study? We know they're going to be about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but which specific ones do we want to use this year? We sat as a staff 
at the table. Everybody excited about what Easter is going to be. And so we came up with a whole list of plans. And then COVID-19. And then we decided we, we need to stop meeting together. Not knowing exactly how many weeks that was going to be. And, and it just seemed like frustration upon frustration upon just even trying to figure out what we need to be doing. And that leads to disappointment. And then we decided, yeah, we're not even going to be able to do Easter together. So now what do we do? And, and we have, uh, we've worked hard to try to find a way to still be able to gather together, but it's just not the same. This isn't, this isn't what, forget what we had planned. This isn't what anyone had planned. But this is Easter 2020, and I don't think any of us will ever forget this. Now, in reality, it's not the first time we deal with disappointment. I remember dealing with uh, our, our middle son, Mackenzie, was actually uh, getting ready to swim in his uh, final state match. And all of a sudden, he came down with the flu and spent a couple of days sick. And I remember thinking to myself, there's almost absolutely no way he is going to be able to, to swim in the way that he wants to swim. Now, he had spent years working hard at this. And then all of a sudden, this illness changed everything. I still remember spending time in that hotel room in Tulsa when he was going to be swimming for his qualifying heats. And I could just tell, he just wasn't the same. His energy was not there. The, the physical demands of this, his body just couldn't keep up. And I could see the disappointment in his eyes. You've seen it. Right now, one of the major conversations that we're having with one another has everything to do with the fact that this is what we were looking forward to. Our, our daughter is a senior in high school, 2020. Class of 2020. And then it seems like that. Everything changes. And now all of a sudden you're homeschooling. No prom. No graduation with our friends. Disappointment. It's not new to us. People that are now trying to figure out what is it going to look like for us. We, we were planning on getting married. And we picked the typical date, that fourth Saturday in May. And now all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out where you're going to have the wedding. Who's going to be invited? Are we going to allowed to have more than 10? Disappointment. But this isn't new. I was privileged to do the, the wedding for Justin and Debbie Ebert. And we're in Kansas City, a day that I'm sure that Deb and her mom and her dad had dreamed about. And to some degree, I'm sure Justin and his parents as well. And then <laughs> over that weekend, so many people took sick and then it hit Justin. I still remember walking into the room where Debbie was preparing because we did not know exactly if Justin was going to have to spend the entire ceremony sitting on a chair because he did not have the strength to stand. 
And Debbie looked at me and said, I'm not here for the wedding. I'm here to be married. Was she frustrated? Was she disappointed? Sure. But there was more. And so there are so many people right now that are wrestling and struggling on Easter Sunday. Dealing with not what they had planned, but what God has given to us, what God has afforded us to experience. There are a lot of people that are uh, wrestling with, here is how I thought my baby was going to come into the world. And this is what we have to do in light of the circumstances in March and April and May of 2020. And this isn't new. We actually see in the Gospels as the disciples are trying to understand what Jesus meant when he preached and he taught about the coming of the kingdom, what he was saying about himself. And remember, Easter morning does not begin with Jesus waking up all of his disciples and saying, it was all a bad dream. Now, Easter morning wakes up. The disciples wake up. And as far as they know, as far as the women know, as far as Peter and John know, Jesus is still dead. Disappointment lingers. But that's not where it ends. And so this morning, as we have an opportunity to allow God's word to inform us, God's word to encourage us, God's word and the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ being the foundation of our hope, the basis of our hope, you and I have an opportunity this morning to not deny the disappointment that we're experiencing right now, but to look at that disappointment through the hope of the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, these are difficult and disappointing times. So let's begin with a discussion question. If you could change anything right now, now I think I know what you're going to say, and maybe there'll be a few surprises, but if you could change anything right now, what would you change? I don't know what you are thinking I can imagine that the vast majority of us have probably laughed a little bit and said, I, I just wish this would all be over. Me too. But what I love about the truth that comes from the Word of God is that Jesus offers not just a solution to the problem, but Jesus offers himself, and this is the repeated theme through John's Gospel. We've spent the last couple of weeks looking at Revelation chapter 4, God seated on the throne, sovereign and in control of all of his creation, being worshipped by all that he has made. And then last week, we were encouraged by the fact and, and even permitted to stare, stare at the one standing as though slain, Jesus Christ the one who has the power and authority because of what he has done through the cross. And I want us to go back and look at John's gospel and pictures that John gives to people who are wrestling with the everyday struggles of life, the everyday circumstances that always bring 
days or weeks or months of disappointment or confusion or frustration? And, and, and what is offered there and what we're going to see is John keeps offering Jesus to those who are disappointed, Jesus to those who are unsatisfied, Jesus to those who are seeking. John chapter 1. There's a group of people that are looking for a revolution. They just want things to be different. And John the Baptist comes, and John the Baptist is the one who is preaching this revolution. Um, I, I know a number of people, and maybe you're one of them, that is looking for a cause to make the world better. John would have been your guy. The Baptist would have been your guy. And yet when John sees Jesus, he doesn't say, now here is one who can produce a revolution. No, he says this. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming towards him and says, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John reminds us that it's not about a cause. It's not about a revolution. It's not about something that is different. It's not an event but it's Jesus, and he is the one that provides meaning and purpose to life. But it doesn't end there. John chapter 2. <laughs> there is something that has always been significant with the lives of the Israelites. They, they wanted a place where they could come and worship God, and God gave them instructions for a tabernacle, and they wanted something more permanent, and David really desired that there would be a place more permanent where the presence of God would dwell, and that they could physically dwell like we want to physically dwell with one another in the house of God. And God says, to the children of Israel, you can build me this house. And Solomon made a great house. And it was destroyed because of Israel's rebellion. And, and then Herod made even a greater temple. 46 years it took Herod to build this temple. And Jesus comes along in John chapter 2, and he records something shocking to them. This, this is the first time that Jesus cleanses the temple. I believe he does it twice. John records it at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke record it at the end. And Jesus says this to those that believe in the temple, they can find the presence and the protection of God. Jesus says, destroy this temple, this place, and I will raise it up in three days. And I, I really just wish that I could be back in church. You know, I know the building is, is just a building, but it's more than a building. It just, it symbolizes so much more. I don't disagree. But do you realize that Jesus offers more than that? Jesus offers more than a building. We're, we're building a new building, and if you even come by, you can actually see they are laying the foundation of our new children's area. But that children's building that we're building is pointing to someone. Resurrection morning reminds us of the value and the importance, not just in an event, but in Jesus. Tear that building down in three days. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? I really don't know how the disciples missed it. I think I would have missed it if I was a disciple. In three days, I, I will raise it up again. John chapter three. His name is Nicodemus. And he is one of Israel's teachers. He, he, he's thought long and hard about who God is. He's thought long and hard about the kingdom of God, God's rule over his people. And he comes to Jesus and he begins to ask him some questions about the kingdom of God. And Jesus makes a rather 
just uh, startling statement to him. He says, unless you're born again, you can't even enter into the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus says, how can someone who's old be born again? And Jesus points out, how can you be Israel's teacher and not understand these things? You know John 3.16. But do you know the verses that come right before it? To someone who is seeking the kingdom of God, for someone who is seeking a right relationship with God, Jesus reaches deep into Israel's history and draws this image, this picture of Moses constructing a bronze serpent and wrapping it around a pole during a time when Israel is complaining in the desert about, I don't like the manna that you've given me and I'd rather go back to Egypt and the promised land is taking too far. Life circumstances are nothing but frustrating and disappointing. And Jesus says in John chapter three, speaking about himself, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. This found, kids, ask your mom and dad where that's found. I I hope they know. You you, you can just whisper to them, Numbers 21, mom, Zane taught us that. Numbers 21 is where the story comes from. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. So the son of man, that's Jesus describing himself, must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And that lifted up isn't Steve and his wonderful group of worshiping, uh, uh, worshiping leaders, worshiping, uh, perfor- not performers, not performers, worshipers, uh, leading us in worship. It's not lift him up higher and higher. No, he's talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about Good Friday. And just as the Son of Man will be lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. Do you understand, Nicodemus? Do do you see? It's it's not a kingdom separate from its king. That just in the same way that Moses constructed the serpent by the command of God, and that whoever looked at that serpent might find healing from the snakes that are biting them. Yeah, now there's a scary image. In the same way, when the Son of Man, when Jesus is lifted up on a pole on the cross... I will draw to myself. Jesus keeps pointing to himself. John chapter four. We all know this story. It's, it's the woman at the well. And, and here is somebody that understands disappointment. Marriage failure after marriage failure after marriage failure after marriage failure. After marriage failure. She comes to the well at a time when she knows nobody else will be there. And there's Jesus. John records that he had to travel through that way. No, he didn't. Well, yes, he did. Because there was someone dealing with disappointment and frustration and confusion, and she didn't need another husband. She didn't need an an event or some kind of external worldly thing to try to give her satisfaction and contentment. What she needed is Jesus And so Jesus gives her what she needs. They're having this conversation about water. That's why she's there. Jacob's well. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who the one is speaking, who is saying this to you, give me a drink. You would ask him and he would give you living water. And then they have this amazing conversation. I want this water. I don't want to have to come back to this well. And in the same way, 
that when John said, behold the lamb, or when Jesus said, I will rebuild this temple, or speaking to Nicodemus, it's like people are not understanding what Jesus is offering. It looks so clear on this side of Easter. But maybe their disappointment, or their frustration, or their failed marriages were just too heavy for them, too daunting for them, too dark for them to see the light. And yet, notice, Jesus doesn't waver. He keeps coming to those people in the midst of their struggle, and what does he offer? Not a better day. He offers himself. John chapter 6. You knew I had to go here. The people are hungry. 5,000 men. There might have been more, but we know 5,000 men is what John records. And they are up on the side of a hill on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. I've been to the place where we've had an opportunity to even read the Sermon on the Mount, where that is a kind of that place in which that happens and the breaking of the loaves and the fish. Um, in this place, Jesus looks at people who are hungry he has compassion on them, and he feeds them, and they're full. And wow, this is a great deal. I, I like this. I love the fact that whoever this prophet is, whoever this teacher is, for him to be able to provide like this, and there are those that are looking for God's provision, and for them, maybe for us, all we can see is God providing next week's paycheck, next month's rent, next month's food, which, by the way, are very real issues. We, we don't have to make light of their needs or ours. There is nothing wrong with you and I being disappointed in those circumstances that are outside of our control, that somehow cause us to feel concerned. But the question is, where do we turn? And as the crowd gathers... Jesus offers them more than just fish and bread. He offers them himself. John chapter 6. Jesus says, after feeding people, I am the bread of life, Jesus says to them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Almost like he's bringing what he says to the Samaritan woman in John 4 and here to the multitudes in John 6. I am the bread of life. I am the one who can provide for you that reaches beyond and through and in your disappointment, your dissatisfaction, your frustrations, your anxiety. Like, I know that you're hoping for a better day. I know that you want to just muscle through this, but I'm telling you, I offer you in myself something more. I am the bread of life, and whoever believes in me, I give them true bread. I give them true water. John chapter 8. This really doesn't even have an occasion, although there's lots of things swirling around it, but Jesus cuts right to the point. John's gospel begins with this powerful statement that Jesus comes into the world and he is light and this light cannot be overcome by the darkness. And, and Jesus gives a number of I am statements, seven of them in the gospel of John. And in this chapter eight, he speaks about himself piercing the darkness with the fullness of who he is 
people that are searching and wanting more, maybe even realizing just the limits, the limitations of this life. And Jesus says to them in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world, and anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Why? Because they will have him. Do you see him? Like you can stare right at him. Do you see him through the disappointment, through the discouragement, through the frustration? Do you see him this Easter morning? Kids, like do you see Jesus? Because that is what he offers us is not just a freedom from difficult circumstances, but his very presence, his very self in the midst of those circumstances. And that's why it's good for us to this Easter morning to literally look at what he says. I know, I know Ryan read from John chapter 20 in terms of the resurrection, but I love to point out to people that you don't have to get to chapter 20 to see the reality and the truth and the peace and the hope that comes from believing in Jesus. He offers the fullness of himself throughout the entire gospel. And John records this for for, for the hope of the disciples and for the hope of those who are reading and for our hope today. And in John chapter 11, we actually see a very interesting conversation between Jesus at a time when death seems very, very real. I, I really think that's one of the concerns that we are all working through right now is that we begin this year and it's like every other year. And the January comes around and February comes around and we begin to recognize, wow, there's, there's something that's happening in the world I should probably pay attention to. And then as it just seemed like the storm clouds moved closer, all of a sudden, every one of us felt more vulnerable physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. In John chapter 11, I really think this is almost like the hinge chapter. It's the last major narrative before Jesus walks into Jerusalem. And he has this conversation with the two sisters of Lazarus who's died. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Her response, it's interesting. Martha's response to Jesus is, I think what a lot of people do. Well, yeah, I know, no, I know that at the end of time, what does she say? I know that he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. What she's saying is, Jesus, like, I know that there is hope, but it's so far away. Like, I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're hearing a lot about lights at the end of tunnels, but I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time listening to Christians who speak because we talk about the light at the end of the tunnel as though it's way in the future. Listen, like I know you're going through a hard time, but one day heaven will be here. Like I know you're going through difficulty at the passing of grandma, but you know what? She is now with Jesus and one day, and it just seems like it's all in the future. And that's what Martha says. Jesus, I get it. Yeah, there'll come a day when Lazarus will come back, but it's just not today. And Jesus says to her something you and I need to hear this Easter morning. Jesus says, don't look to the future. Look at me. Stare at me. Find hope in me. Like the resurrection is not just an event. J Jesus almost predictively speaking, like he says in Revelation chapter one, I hold the keys of death and Hades. <laughs> 
I am the one who has the ability and the power and the strength. I am the son of God. And so Jesus says to Martha in the midst of her disappointment, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And, and I think she wanted to believe it. I, I think she struggled to believe it. And, and maybe that's why it even makes sense that it's women like Martha who are the first to experience the hope of the resurrection. No, they experienced Jesus Christ resurrected. See, that's the difference. We don't just have a hope in an event. Easter says, no, we have Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. Do you remember the movie Independence Day? In, in that movie, um, made in 1996, I believe, but in, in that movie, aliens come down. And those aliens actually try to put an end to, to humanity and to civilization. The president of the United States speaking to the world says, and this is our new Independence Day, because it happens on July 4th when they, when they overcome the aliens. I've heard little glimmers, little um, uh, whispers of people who are so looking forward to the date when all this COVID ends. And we can go back to our lives just like they were. And I've heard people even kind of making that statement a few weeks ago. Wouldn't it be great if this happened on Easter? Wouldn't it be great? This could be like our new resurrection day. And listen, I do believe there's going to be a day when things get back to normal. But can I tell you? Today is our resurrection day. Not, not some future day. I'm, I am. I, I can't wait until all of this is done. That's what I want. But I want something so much more than that. I want to be able to today, to remember that it is today that you and I are able to celebrate the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Today is our resurrection day. There might be another day in which we are free from this terrible illness that is hurting people around, around the world and shutting down economies and causing us to isolate from one another. But do you realize that today, Easter Sunday, this is our resurrection day. This is the hope that we have because we have hope in Jesus Christ who says, I am the resurrection and the life. One last discussion question. Kids, you can maybe ask mom and dad this question and see how they answer it. How can we, or sorry, what can we do today to remind each other that we have everything we need in Jesus? What can we do today to remind one another that we have everything that we already need in Jesus? Because that's what Easter is about. Easter offers this kind of hope for those of us who believe, for those of us who have hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus makes this statement in John chapter 20, verse 29. He's talking to Thomas who said, I'm just gonna have a hard time believing until I put my fingers in the holes in his hands, until I put my hand into his side. And Jesus even allows doubting Thomas to do this. And then he says, speaking of those of us who are now believers in Christ, but blessed are those who still have not seen and believe. That's me. That's, that's you. 
Jesus gives a blessing for those of us who right now, in the midst of our disappointment, 2,000 years after his resurrection, who say, I still have never seen him, but I believe him. I still have never experienced all the things that his disciples got to experience, and yet I still choose to believe him. Do you know why we believe him? Because of the resurrection. Because of Easter, you and I can go back and realize all those statements that Jesus has made about himself are true. He is the one who is the bread that always satisfies. He is the one that if we look to him as he is lifted up, can find healing and hope. He is the one for those of us who believe. And yet I want to I conclude by just challenging those of you who still don't know, who are maybe listening this morning and who still um, who don't believe or are struggling with belief. Actually, that's one of the reasons why John wrote this gospel. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John wrote something for you, those of you who are still struggling with belief or, or doubt or disbelief far more than you believe in Jesus. John says, these things are written, his entire gospel, all that we studied today, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one of God the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the purpose of the gospel. This is the purpose of John's gospel. And this is the purpose of the gospel that I now proclaim to you today. I'm not offering you as Christ's ambassador this morning, hope in a better tomorrow. I am offering you hope in the one who governs over tomorrow and who has demonstrated this by being raised from the dead so that you and I can have hope. And for those of you that still don't believe, can begin to believe. When we gather together, for those of us who believe, we spend time remembering the entire story of Jesus looking back at his life and his ministry. And on this side of the cross, we're very aware of what happened on Good Friday. But we don't dwell on that. We are never supposed to enjoy the Lord's Supper in a way that neglects any part of the life of Jesus Christ. I would say that our ability to celebrate the Lord's Supper well this morning really fits by looking at the completeness of who Jesus Christ is, the fullness of who he is. Behold the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Behold the one who uh, has built that temple in three days, rebuilt that temple in three days. Behold the one who is the water of life. Behold the one who is the bread of life. And that's what you and I get to do today. We're not here lamenting his death. We are here celebrating all that Jesus is. And for that reason, we take the bread. And by taking that bread, we eat it well together. And we take the cup, representing his blood that was spilt for us, a new covenant together, and we drink it together. God is good. How do I know this? He has given proof of his love for us in the death 
burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and hope. Amen. Amen, church.
Without the resurrection of Jesus, the crucifixion would have been some obscure historical footnote that only scholars might know about. But surely we would have no idea it had ever happened. The resurrection bore witness to the power that Jesus had to overcome death in the grave. The veil was torn when he died, symbolizing that he had made a permanent way for us to be reconciled to God. He's overcome the grave and nothing can separate us now. Holy 
Hey, Sunnybrook family, we now come to uh, the part of the service where we as the people of God get to give back uh, to the God who has given so much to us. And so for those of you who are a part of Sunnybrook, we want to give you that chance. Uh, as, as we have every week, we've got the number down on the screen and you can text to that number. I think I'm pointing down to it right now. Um, and with the dollar sign and then wherever those X's are, just put in the amount that you'd like to give and, uh, and that will come to the church for us to continue doing our ministry from here on out. Uh, I, I also want to, at this moment, uh, bring us into a time for us to be able to pray together for just a little bit as we close out our service. Uh, each week we want to continue our corporate prayer, even if we don't get to be together corporately, but to pray with one another throughout the city for the different ministry that's involved uh, in this town and in the world. Specifically, I want to pray in response to Jim's prayer this week. Uh, I want to pray, first of all, for those of us who are believers uh, that we would place our hope not in the situation we're in or in the situation that we're in uh, coming to a close, but that our, our hope would always be, first and foremost, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, the life that is given to us, the victory that he has won for us. And then for those of you who are uh, listening right now, watching this, who, who aren't believers, uh, my prayer for you this week is, is that the reality of the resurrection would, would become something um, that is known to you, that there would be uh, a desire in you, a, a hunger for you to know the truth. And, and so I want to pray those things over us and, and ask that you in your living rooms or wherever you are watching this would join me in praying for those things. So let's do that now. Father in heaven, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you uh, for this truth that Jesus did not stay dead and in his, in his rising that he defeated all sin and death for us. I pray that you would make that, uh, make that reality more true to us, more tangible to us and give us your people a hope in that always, no matter what may come, good or bad for us. Help us to find our ultimate joy, our ultimate uh, hope, and our reason to worship and obey because of the fact that Jesus is alive today. And I pray for uh, friends right now who are watching, who are not yet convinced of this. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be at work in them, uh, giving them um, a desire to know you more, giving them an interest and a curiosity, and I pray that you would open their eyes to the truth um, of who Jesus is and what he has done. God, I am asking you this in the name of your son, your resurrected son, Jesus. Amen. Hey, man. I have a surprise what? for you. You have a surprise for me, It's an Easter huh? surprise. All right, I'm excited. Guess, guess what it Am is? Am I allowed take to? A, take a guess what it is. Uh, I'm going to go with an egg. See, because it's Easter. Yep. Boom, nothing there. Nothing. Just like in the tomb. <laughs> Just like Remember that? They went, they go to the tomb. <laughs> that Boom. was, that was mind blown, man. Mind blown. <laughs> it's like a magic trick. Actually, you shouldn't, why did you not use that in your sermon? That's, that's such a great sermon illustration. Oh. Yeah, you know dude. what? We may do it again. Yep, you're gonna have to have to re-record this one. And by the way, that that is not like anything I've trademarked. Yeah. And so, if you want to do that with your kids, hey, guess what I have in here? 
boom, nothing, just like the tomb, it's empty. Yeah, problem so. for me is my kids are watching right now, so I can't Ugh. spoil that element <laughs> of surprise. So, <laughs> um, anyway, thank you very much for praying for those things, and uh, uh, we really are missing you guys. And as we talked about earlier, this still doesn't feel right, uh, but we're continuing to pray that God is using what we're doing right now uh, to really provide a sense of, um, of peace for some people right now who are deeply concerned about this. Yeah. I think some of the distancing that we're doing is providing some peace, but we all hope ultimately that that's coming from Jesus. Yeah. And so that's really where we're at. Um, we want you to know that through this Holy Week, we have been praying for you and we're going to continue mm-hmm. to do that. Um, any, any final words or yeah, magic I, tricks? I, I got no you, magic tricks. You, you know what's weird? I was going to do that exact magic trick, and you stole it from me first. So it's weird we were both thinking of that. Um, no, I it would, isn't. I, it is not weird, that's Drew. That's true. We okay. are, we're like the same version, except I'm two of you. <laughs> that's true. That's fair enough. I'll give um, you the final, final uh, all goodbye. All right. All I was going to say was... Uh, Henderson's mentioned at the beginning a number that you can text to connect. We'll probably have that on the screen running in the slides after this and really do want to encourage you. If, if you need prayer or if you're interested in learning more about some of the things Jim was talking about, if there's anything we can be doing for you, please uh, text connect to that number and, uh, and let, us, uh, let us reach out to you through that. So, Love you guys. Bye.